0: and peace are yours through God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Everywhere Jesus went, the crowds commented about his speaking ability. It was a powerful speaking ability. Don't kid yourself, brothers and sisters in Christ. He did draw crowds. And what did the crowds say time and time again? Never has anyone spoken with such authority. Of course He spoke with authority. He was God who took on human flesh. He remains God who took on human flesh. He is the Word. Jesus is the spokesman for the Trinity. Yes, He has authority. He is God. And His Word would do something no other speech giver could give. The Holy Spirit would come through that Word and convict you of it, convince you of it, give you the faith so that you would know He was the Savior. Or it would harden your heart and you'd reject Him. One man in the crowd heard Jesus' authority and thought something different. Our text for our sermon is our gospel lesson, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, which you have already heard. The man hears the authority and, and there's a problem. He says, maybe this Jesus guy with his authority could resolve a problem for me. So he says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, recall that back in the laws that God gave to the nation of Israel, that the oldest son was to get a double portion. If there were two sons, then the inheritance was divided in three, and the oldest got two portions. If there were six sons, then the inheritance was divided by seven, and the oldest son got two portions. You get the gist of this. And he was to get those two portions because if there were any unmarried sisters... He was to take care of them until they were married and then their husband was supposed to provide for them. And mom, he was to take care of dear old mom. We're never told if it was this man who was greedy over the inheritance or if it was his brother not sharing it. And there's a hundred speculations you could give of how this could have happened. Maybe there was a business transaction that didn't come to fruition until after the inheritance. Maybe the one brother was older and he just refused to give the inheritance. But he sees a man of authority and he thinks he's found the solution to his problem. Jesus says, Man, who appointed me as a judge or a divider over both of you, him and his brother? Brothers and sisters in Christ, in the Reformation, in the Augsburg Confession, that first document in which Lutherans composed to show where we were different from the church we were trying to reform, this is a passage they list for the separation of church and state. You see, those laws that have been given to Israel about inheritance, they didn't matter anymore. Why? Why? Because Israel was not a sovereign nation. The Romans were ruling over it. This was a civil courts issue. And Jesus was here to save us spiritually. Yes, he had things to say to politicians. Be honest and and be good in your position. Take care of the people. uh, Protect them that you're supposed to. But here we truly see God says, that's a court issue, leave me out of this. And there's a difference, brothers and sisters in Christ. When the congregation I served before you was a very strong agricultural community, and more than once, I'll generalize, I would have a man come with a problem, Pastor, I want to bid on some farmland, but another brother in Christ, a member of this congregation, also wants to bid on it, and I don't want to have a dispute. These weren't people who were coming to say, Pastor, what's going to be the most profitable for me? These were people who were coming and saying, I have a concern about my brother's soul. There's quite a difference. The man, it's not a matter of rephrasing the question. If he had a different attitude, he might have found his answer. But his attitude was to have Jesus function as a judge, use his authority to settle a civil dispute. And Jesus quickly makes it clear he's not going to do that. But the words that follow in the long run, I'll culminate in verse 21. Allow me to read a literal translation of the Greek. It will be the same for the person who keeps on storing up for himself and who does not continue being rich up to and in God. And so our sermon theme for today is continue being rich up to and in God. But in between that, there's a lot of laws of mirror, a lot of warning. And Jesus warns the crowd. He says, be on the lookout for And be on guard against to keep away from all kinds of covetousness. I'm going to stop there. That's a clunky translation in English, but it says a mouthful. Be on the lookout for. Build a tower in which you can see the enemy coming from a distance so that you can give the warning. Enemy, enemy, attack, attack is coming. So that you can batten down the hatches and prepare for the battle. And be on guard against. Have your weaponry. Be ready for the fight. Be ready to try to prevent the fight. And again, lots of times prepositions say a lot to keep away from, completely separate. Keep it on the outside. Don't ever let it in the city gates. All kinds of covetousness. This can also be translated as greediness. When I teach the last two commandments to my catechism students, we cover obviously about covetousness. And we explain how coveting our neighbor's house is different from coveting our neighbor's wife, man, servant, maid, servant, etc. Because the one is greediness for the service he gets from others. His relationship with his wife is covered by a different commandment. This is the service. And the other is protecting his home. You see, there's always been ways in which you can get your enemy's home from him or your neighbor's home from him. And it's all legal and on the up and up. My neighbor forgets to pay his taxes. I can, through less than scrupulous ways, but they're completely legal. I can pay the taxes on his property, and if things go well, one day I can say, by the way, since you did not pay your taxes, you owe me the back taxes because I paid them for you, or else your property is mine. Oh, it's legal, and you'll find attorneys who would love to, for a fee, help you do this. But it's not right. It's greed. It's wrong. Oftentimes, even Christians miss this. It's why Jesus warns it be on the lookout for and keep it at a distance. I've known more than one Christian who's at least been tempted getting into a car accident with somebody who made an honest mistake, but they just, the biggest mistake they made was having a good farm and ranch policy. And those ambulance chasing attorneys, oh, they'll come and be the devil's tool. Certainly if you're in an accident and you're injured, you deserve, you should have your property restored to its original value. You should have your bills paid. And if there is an injury where it's going to hinder your work, yes, there's something there. But when a person tries to get rich off of somebody else's mistake, that's a form of greed and coveting. Capitalism offers a form of greed for our society if there aren't laws in place. It it can allow an employer in greed to take advantage of his employees. So we need to have laws. Communism is definitely a form of greed as well. Communism says, God didn't bless me with the labor or the work ethic of my neighbor or the money, so I want it. So we got to spread it out and nobody gets to have anything. These are all forms of greed, brothers and sisters in Christ. There are many ways we can be tempted. Just as simple as when we give change at the cash register and the clerk gives us the wrong amount of change and we pocket it. So Jesus warns us, be on the lookout for it. Keep it away. And yes, you are your brother's keeper. That doesn't make us busybodies sticking our nose where it doesn't belong. But when we see our brother or sister in Christ falling into this kind of a greed, we want to warn them too. Danger, warning, lock up the city gates. The enemy's coming. The devil uses greed. So Jesus goes on to tell us a parable about a man who'd had a bumper crop. Maybe it had been a couple of years in a row he had a bumper crop. He begins by saying a certain rich man. The land of a certain rich man. It's not a sin to be rich, brothers and sisters, in Christ. Remember, a rich man gave Jesus his grave. Jesus gave it back to him with quite a wonderful miracle. Abraham, the father of believers, was one of the wealthiest men men of his time. That's not the sin, but... Rich and poor can be guilty of allowing money to become their God. A certain rich man, had the land had been very productive. And so he was reasoning within himself by saying, what should I do because I do not have a place where I can store my produce? And then he said, I will do this. I will take down my granaries and then I will build larger ones. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there's no sin here yet. This is good stewardship and I encourage you. Save up for retirement. Save up for a rainy day. Christian stewardship means we do sit down and we plan. We plan for that rainy day. Yes, it's okay. Plan for vacation. God wants you to rest. Plan to give your return portion to the Lord. Plan is to feed your family and take care of yourself. There's no sin yet. And then he said... After that, I will say to, and the Greek says, my soul. My soul, you have many goods that are stored up for many years to come. Kick back, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. And the very wording Jesus uses in the inspired Greek language lets us know what the sin is. I will say to my soul. He puts himself in position in the place of God. See, God is the one who gives our soul life. God is the one who tells us we can rest. And God has told your soul to kick back. Take it easy. When it comes to earning your salvation, he says, I won that for you. Kick back. Take it easy. Don't try to earn your salvation. It's my gift to you. The man has a God and it is not God. He has let himself... Take the place of God. Here is where I miss a word that Jacobian language used to be in the King James Version. Although the English language has exploded with thousands, hundreds, a hundred thousand more words than they had when they translated the Bible into English uh, from that Jacobian language in the King James Version. We've lost this word. The word is mammon. Mammon? Mammon meant not just money, but the things you acquire. With money. When Jesus had said, keep an eye out, look out for, keep it at a distance, all kinds of greed, he said something that's very difficult to translate into English, and here's my pitiful attempt. Because a man's life is not sourced in the things that belong to him while there is an abundance for him. Atheists can't stand this, so they've come up with this idea that you're an evolved monkey or evolved even from some kind of a bacteria, shows their view of life. The source of your life is God, brothers and sisters in Christ. The source of your eternal life is God. He won it for you. He put His Holy Spirit in your heart. God is the source of our life. See, we can get confused and we can think that mammon is the source of things. You used to see a bumper sticker. I haven't seen it in 15 years said, he who dies with the most toys wins. Those toys are not the source of your life. We can get confused because our body has emotional needs. It needs clothing, especially in a Wyoming winter or in a Wyoming summer. It needs shelter. It needs food. But those are not the source of life. God can find ways to give those to you. He is the source of life. And when He determines... He ends your time of grace and you either go to heaven or to hell. So these things are not the source of life. And and once we have that perspective, it changes everything. God is the source of my life and he provides these things. Yes, usually through being a good steward through labor. But he also adds those words while there is an abundance for him. You don't have to be rich to let mammon be your God. A few years ago, the Discovery Channel had a program. It was called Hoarders. Very few of those people were wealthy. It was a mental sickness, but behind that mental sickness was sin. They had so much stuff, many of them couldn't even sleep on their own beds. They just kept hoarding and hoarding. Some of them couldn't throw their own trash away. There is an altar and a shrine to the false god of mammon. And it's sad when you start collecting so much stuff, that that very stuff becomes a hindrance to your life. That's what kind of a false god mammon is. So there was the man's sin. And remember, Jesus is talking to Jewish people. In the man's planning, did you hear that there was no plans to what was a law in the Old Testament? You were required to give 10%. That's one of the laws that Christ has made free to us now. There was no plan to, I'll give 10% of this bumper crop to God. There was no plan, even in greed, to think, you know, I could loan to my fellow man and charge a reasonable interest, and I could even increase this, and I could be a benefit to my fellow man. The greed was only in himself. He couldn't see beyond his own nose. So God says, you fool this very night, they are demanding your soul away from you. Then who will own the things you have prepared? Go to our Old Testament lesson in Ecclesiastes. you work your tail off your whole life, and then you die and somebody else gets the fruits of your labor. Meaningless. Guy's planned only for himself, and he hasn't seen beyond his nose. Didn't even think of, it, of relatives and somebody else is going to get it. When your false god is mammon, one way or the other, it's going to pick you up and slam you face first into a concrete gutter, and you're going to realize how you came out the loser. So Jesus spells that out for us, which was the point of, our, of the parable. It will be the same for the person who keeps on storing up for himself and who does not continue being rich up to and within God. There's a preposition here. And the preposition means to travel to and then be in something. So after worship, you're going to travel to your homes and then you're going to enter them. And that's what he's talking about. The whole thing, traveling, being rich, traveling to God and being in God. So let's cover first the being in the house, the being in God. How are you rich in God? God has sent his word to you that tells you that he has become a man, that he was perfect in your place. He suffered the punishment. He won your salvation and he has given it to you and you hear that work of Jesus and he sends the Holy Spirit through that word that tells you of the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit enters your life and gives you a new soul. You have a new man who is intimately in God. What? Yes. Your faith literally is the Holy Spirit living in your heart so that you actually believe Jesus is your Savior. You are connected to Jesus. You're not just adopted children. You are a branch connected to the vine that you produce fruit. Jesus, your God, is connected to you. And therefore, God, the Father, who is now your Father, is connected to you. That new man that is eternally alive is in God. Your treasure is that. You are now in God. This isn't something you wait for until you die to have. You are rich in God now because you believe in Him. Your greatest treasure is His Word. His Word draws you time and time again because we still have that sinful nature until we do go to heaven. And that sinful nature lies to us every day. And so that being rich in God means His Word is our greatest treasure because every day we hear it say, you are God's child, your sins are forgiven. While our sinful nature says, run to the sin and do it and we do it. And then it says, how? How can you, God, forgive you? And the Word says, He has. Trust it. And you're rich in that word. That is rich in God. And that means you will have a glorified body. That means you own heaven now. You're waiting till the time God takes you there. This is being rich in God. So what does it mean to be rich towards God? Let me tell you a short story about what it doesn't mean to be rich toward God. I worked with a man who had just retired from the military and taken that job. And he had just found Jesus in his words. And he was excited. And in fact, often he was so excited that he just spewed forth with Jesus that many even Christians started saying, Man, I don't like working with that guy. I wish he'd talk about something else. And then he got fired for stealing, of all things, toilet paper. You didn't want to work after him because there was toilet paper was gone. And the saddest of all things was the toilet paper was better designed to sand the rust off your car fender. He was rich in God, but he was not rich toward God. You are rich towards God. What? You have heard the word, you're rich in God, and you have come to learn the word, not just for yourself. It shines through you when you share it with your neighbor. I had mentioned that the man didn't even think what the law required for him to give 10% that would support the temple. God has said that's a free issue for you. And yet you will voluntarily today give an offering, knowing I give out of a portion of what God has already given to me. God gives to me that I can return thanks. What an awesome God I have. And that word, that offering will go not only to supply our air conditioning and our lights here, and to spread the word to people in our community. That word will go to put missionaries in other countries, a portion of it, and even missionaries in our own country. You are rich towards God, and so you know the peace you have. You are in God, and your neighbors see that peace. And when God puts hardships in their lives, don't kid yourself. They love to have somebody who has peace in their life come. How can you be so peaceful at this? Let me tell you about how God loves you. So brothers and sisters in Christ, money is an invention of man. It simply represents an exchange of labor or a gold standard of what we've earned. Mammon, it doesn't go with us when we go to heaven. God, God's word is your treasure. And as I said was our theme, so I conclude with our sermon. You are rich in God, and therefore you are happy to spread your treasure, whether it is the word and you're spreading it, or if it's truly returning thanks with your offerings. You are rich in God, and so you are rich towards God. Praise be to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.